0: now we we uh we did a co uh, we do these co-writes with folks as well which is kind of an interesting thing because that writing with somebody is such an intimate experience anyway and we kind of the three of us kind of have our way of working so it's funny somebody that has some really cool ideas and we're just sitting there working it out on a zoom call or something and uh you know we're we're working out somebody else's idea and as we're doing this we we look up and the guy's just kind of wide-eyed going i can't believe it
1: that's tim smith of the licorice quartet i'm jamie green and this is trading Force. everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Trading Fours. Happy holidays to you and your family. Today, I've got Tim Smith in the house. Tim Smith, what a great musician. He, of course, uh, probably came on your radar when he was the bassist in Jellyfish for their Spilt Milk Tour way back in 1993. And you might also remember I had Roger Manning on from the same band to talk about the Licorice Quartet when they had Volume 1 of their EP out, Threesome. Well, guess what? Volume 2 is coming out, January January 21st, I believe. And uh, Tim was so kind to join me via the phone. He called in from Atlanta, Georgia to talk about the new EP. Uh, great chat. Great guy. I think you're going to really dig this one. These guys are so freaking talented. I mean, all of them. It's just amazing. So they're doing these, uh, these songs in their house. And then they're combining it. And it sounds great. So uh, let's get started. Here's my conversation with Tim Smith. Well, Tim... Tim, thanks so much for joining me on uh, Trading Force. And, and first off, uh, I always ask people, uh, how you holding up, man?
0: Um, we're holding up pretty good here in Atlanta. Um, you know, it's, uh, the weather's not so cold, so that's cool, so we can get outside. And just uh, working on um, things to do with our upcoming release. So a lot of press and a lot of uh, social media stuff uh, keeping me busy these days.
1: Well, that's, that's good. So this is actually, uh, for people that don't know, uh, I actually had Roger Manning uh, on the podcast back in April when you had the first EP out, which was three tunes, correct? And then this one is the second EP from you guys, which is four tunes, that's coming out in January,
0: correct? Yep, that's correct. It's called Threesome Volume two. 2.
1: Right. but And then it's the Licorice Quartet, so you guys are... Uh, a little wink wink there right because it's three of you guys yeah
0: yeah it was uh that i mean it's sort of a play on that there was a, a film that roger is a big fan of called the licorice quartet so that's kind of where he came found the name and uh but yeah something to talk about
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely well but well, I really, really loved the first EP. Um, it was great. And, you know, it's just interesting listening to you guys as you've evolved. And, you know, it's always so well produced. The harmonies are just unbelievable. Um, you guys just bring so much to the table. And I really, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, kind of felt like Jellyfish didn't get to end the way we wanted it to. And obviously this isn't Jellyfish, but it has components of that. So, kind of talk to me about when you and Eric and and Roger decided, hey, let's let's uh, reconnect and and work on it and, and record some new tunes.
0: Sure, um, I guess it was in 2017 when uh, about January of 2017, Roger and I kind of reconnected, just talking about things. We both, or oh, all of us, have been working with other people as side musicians, touring with other folks just hadn't really had a chance to uh, see each other or, or do anything creative much. Uh, so he reached out to me in January of 2017 and said, hey, would you be interested in trying to write some songs? And, and
1: uh,
0: I, w- I was. I was uh, going to be mostly off the road that year. So um, we kind of got together and then we just said, hey, what's, I wonder what Eric is doing. So actually we uh, ended up going to Eric's place and doing some co-writing Uh, just to see how it would go, and it seemed to go pretty smoothly. I think we all still sort of have the same record collections and the same amount of uh, respect for certain genres of music and the approach to things. So uh, we wrote about 12 songs together from various bits and pieces that we had all accumulated separately, and we all worked on them together. So it just happened quickly, and within that year we had already – done most of the basic trackings for most of it we hired a drummer friend of ours from england to come over and play drums uh named jeremy Stacy, and the, so the four of us really focused on it for about a year and then we were deciding how we wanted to put it out and we decided to do it the way we are now doing a, a series of three eps and um we never really had the idea of touring or playing out live and obviously with covid that kind of shut everybody down for touring anyway but it was uh just meant to be in the spirit of what we've all done in the past, but not necessarily, as you say, trying to be jellyfish in any way per se, more of a – just a sensibility to songwriting craft that we all enjoy doing together.
1: Yeah. Well, and I I think it's really interesting, too, because, I mean – for the, the Jellyfish component was pretty much just Roger and then um, Andy, correct, that was writing. And this seems like this is much more collaborative, where everybody's bringing their own songs, and you guys are working much more as a band, per se, than just one or two songwriters, correct? Yeah, I mean, that was never going to be
0: uh, any different than what it was. Jellyfish was always Roger and Andy, um, and that's fine. And, they, you know, I was a fan before I played at Jellyfish, as was Eric, who joined to play guitar on the Spilt Milk Tour, so, you know, it, there, there was some discussion about that at the end of Jellyfish, but it was never going to go anywhere, and then, of course, Roger and Eric formed a band called Imperial Drag, so they had worked together and had written together, uh, so there was yeah. a history there, so kind of a, a way of working it. um but yeah, I, I had worked with Roger and Eric on a project of mine, sort of right after Jellyfish, called the Uma Jets, that they came and played on, and we wrote a little bit, but, yeah, it had been, gosh, over 15 years before we had done anything creative together
1: again. Yeah, time just flies, doesn't it? I think you and I are pretty <laughs> close in age, and it's just, I was like, how did I wake up, and how am I 52 years old? Like, it just doesn't seem possible, but here we are. Yeah, um, yeah, my body feels so, that old,
0: but my, my heart doesn't, so.
1: That's right, <laughs> amen to that. So let me let's talk specifically. So I, I got an advanced copy of the new EP. I really dug it, um, and I'm I'm guessing just because you were the quote that for the the tune "Do You Feel Better," that that was kind of something that you started off and mostly uh-huh. wrote. Is that correct? How would you How would you put that? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, all the songs we co-wrote to some extent, but they were sort of driven by, you know, one or one of us for each of the. Each of the tunes, somebody was sort of the one who brought the initial idea, and that one was mine, um, that I wrote the lyric for. Uh, actually, some of it with a friend of mine here in Atlanta that I know. So, um, But, yeah, that was uh, – I don't know what you want me to say about it. It's a cool tune.
1: It's a great tune. It, it's just, it's really, uh, I mean, it, it, I've listened to it three or four times. I dig it a little more every time I listen to it. I, I told Roger this, too. It's like, I always have to listen with you guys uh, with my headphones on, because all sorts uh-huh. things I don't catch the first time or the second time. It's just a great crafted song. So um, I, I just really dug it. So, I mean, that's probably why I brought it up. I just really enjoyed it a lot.
0: Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, we do that. I mean, that's just kind of the the records that we like have that same kind of sensibility where you have to actually sit down and listen to them and they're created with that, you know, the desire to find something new every time you hear it. Um, Hopefully that resonates with people. I'm I'm glad you like it. it. It's, uh, seems like the craft of doing that is not quite as prevalent and, uh, well, I don't think it's an old school thing. I think there are plenty of contemporary artists that are doing that. It, it, it's it's nice to see that, you know, sitting down to listen to music is, is coming back to some degree.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Tim, what was your 2020 going to be like before the whole world shut down?
0: Well, we're still going to be releasing all these things. Um
1: we all had other work as side musicians, as I
0: said, and uh, there were you know everybody was going to be doing some touring and stuff. I know Roger was going to was supposed to be touring with Beck again, so we were kind of trying to figure out a way to do some shows, perhaps uh in Los Angeles and just see how things went i mean I don't think we were ever going to be the kind of group that would get in a band and go and play pubs or bars or whatever so um Right, quite a uh, an endeavor for us to rehearse this music and perform it, which was the, also the case in Jellyfish. Just a lot of rehearsing and trying to do it with four people. Um, so you know, there there were plans for that at least, and doing some some sort of showcase things or some private events for some of our super fans and things. But yeah, obviously that had had to be sidelined. Yeah, it's just a
1: a real bummer. I think you know, I think. It's hard to even describe, right? I mean, we, we've we've had a lot of changes in the music business over 25 years. I mean, we went from where albums were where you made your money to, you know, touring's to where you make your money to where everything's digitized. But I don't think anybody saw, foresaw every act basically in the country not being able to tour. I don't think anybody even imagined something like that could happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is... Uh... Well, obviously, everybody knows what's going on. It's just—it's devastating to, to the industry that I've been a part of for 20 years. I—it's—I I, um, I just don't even know how it's going to recover to the same. We were already facing issues with the way, the way that people choose to or not choose to uh, support musicians and music by downloads or not paying for music. And I understand that the world will shift and things change, but it's been you know, it, it's just a struggle to try and continue to make a living at, at, this, at the level that we as working musicians have, especially when you take away the touring element. So you're right. It's, uh, you know, I just try and turn the page and go, okay, I'm going to focus on being creative and doing as many things as I can in the digital realm and, and engaging with folks in our sphere of music and stuff. And we've kind of leaned more into doing, uh, instead of selling so much music, we've been selling these experiences on our website so that we can, uh, you know, we can do a virtual music lesson or we play on people's stuff or we'll do a cover song that they like. And uh, Engaging in that way has been uh, really uh, exciting and fun and allowing us to connect with with folks that way.
1: Yeah, those people are are very, I don't know if hardcore is the right term, but they're very passionate about the music and you guys and what you do and what you've done and i'm actually on i actually reached out to you at one point on the the jellyfish fan page on facebook and said hey let's do an interview and then your publicist reached out right after that so went that route but um these people i feel very strongly about and i I think it's so cool that you guys are doing these tunes with you know amateurs (laughs) for lack of a better word and and you're playing on these people's tracks it's got to make their year
0: well, we hope it's a good experience. I mean, you know, we we uh we did a co uh, we do these co-writes with folks as well, which is kind of an interesting thing because that writing with somebody is such an intimate experience anyway and we kind of the three of us kind of have our way of working, so it's funny somebody that has some really cool ideas and we're just sitting there working it out on a Zoom call or something and uh, you know, we're we're working out somebody else's idea and as we're doing this, we, we look up, and the guy's just kind of wide-eyed going, I can't believe it. Well, we're just working through stuff that we like. And it's it's fun to see people enjoy our process and, and share that, and, and it's cool for us to help songwriters and, and uh, you know, musicians that are trying to learn about stuff that we've, we've learned. I mean, there's something to be said for as long as we've been doing it, so we're happy to be able to give that back to folks.
1: No, that's great. I mean, I, I think it's really great that you guys pivoted and tried to, you know, how can you still be involved? How can you still make a buck too? Because you need to survive. I mean, you know, <laughs> you don't. You don't. Uh, nobody just lets you stay at their house or rent a place, right? You still got to make a living, but in a very creative and fun way. And I, I know that the fans have really responded to it, so that's great. Um, Tim, I'm really interested. So let's talk a little bit about your history and back up before you know too much. So, you're from Atlanta, correct? That's where you grew up.
0: Uh, actually, I grew up in Louisiana, but I moved to Atlanta right out of high school to join a band called The Producers, sort of a power pop band in the uh, in the '80s um, that were based here. So, okay. I've been here since then.
1: Where'd you grow up in Louisiana?
0: In Baton Rouge.
1: Okay. Yeah, my uh my mom is uh, from Texarkana, So uh-huh. and uh her family that's was a, from that's a, and that's all that. That's A
0: whole so. different yeah, north Louisiana
1: is a whole different universe from
0: Baton Rouge and New Orleans. Um
1: uh, yeah, which absolutely. I never until no, it's I got not up a to. college town up there and it's not it's not Bourbon Street, right? It's, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's very different. But but I love yeah. Louisiana. It's a, it's a beautiful state and very friendly people and stuff and uh Anyway, so yeah, that stuff, and then let's, uh, so I know you don't only really just play bass, you play guitar and do a lot of other stuff, so was it something where you kind of like the Paul McCartney situation, where like they need a bass player and you're the guy, or is it something that you just really wanted to do too, or how was that process? Yeah,
0: I know, it was always, I mean, like a, the first band that I joined out of high school, I was a fan of, called Producers, I wasn't a bass player, I was a guitar player in school, and, and my little... You know, teenage rock combos and stuff. And I just was such a fan. I borrowed a friend's bass, learned their songs, came to Atlanta for an audition, got that that job, and uh, did that for quite a while. And then found out through a, a mutual friend about Jellyfish needing a, a bass player, and I ended up needing a guitar player as well. But um, same kind of deal. Just sort of learn this stuff. I don't I don't consider myself a schooled bass player. I've, I've been more of a guitar player. Um. But, you know, I appreciate what it takes to, to be a bass player, and uh, it seems to be I've had more uh, offers for work. I did the same with Cheryl Crow. I played bass with Cheryl Crow for 14 years or so, and after the first couple of years of playing bass with her, she's a really good bass player too and had played bass on some of her records, and I just suggested that she play bass some because I thought it was cool, and I started playing guitar more live and swapping off. So it's been fun. to to move around but yeah it's more of a I don't consider myself a virtuoso of anything it's more about what's best for the song and and hopefully I have a voice in my own playing that uh, is unique enough to stand out on its own
1: no absolutely I just it's always interesting how people get because you know there's the hardcore guys that like the the day that they woke up and they're like I'm a bass player and that's all I want to do and they're listening to Flea and they're listening to you know Geddy Lee and they're listening to Jocko and all that and then there's you know I think I think most people know about Paul McCartney, but you know Kathy Valentine being another, you know the Go Go's needed a bass player. She'd always thought of herself as a guitarist, but now she's a bass player. It's just kind of an interesting way how you people fall into that. Um, yeah, I mean, look, crazy. I grew
0: up I grew up in Baton Rouge playing jazz, and, and I remember going to see Jocko open for the Dixie Dregs. I, I get it, and I, and it's a whole level different level of dedication. About that. <laughs> I did play bass in one of my rock bands where we played all Rush songs, so I, I know what these bass parts are about. Uh, and it's cool. I can go down that route. I, I, I just prefer to think of myself as a, just a musician and, and just whatever is appropriate I'll try and do. It's fun to relearn things. I, I uh, You know, I, I don't like to uh, get too practiced. I think there's something about the struggle that you're playing that, that helps create an emotional response to what you're doing, so. Or I'm just lazy. Yeah, absolutely. I can't tell which one
1: is. <laughs> <laughs> Go with the former. You're creative. That's what it is. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, well, that's cool. And then, I mean, there's so many. I mean, Cheryl's obviously a great act. The Finn Brothers, they've written some amazing songs, too. How was that process with them? Yeah, that
0: was amazing. I uh, Gosh, I was, you know, I grew up a huge fan of, of Crowded House. And even before that, Split Ends, I was a big Split Ends fan. So, um one of the guys that I had played, uh, actually Jeremy Stacy who played drums on our uh, Lucas Quartet stuff, had played with me in Cheryl's band. he had actually met him, Jellyfish toured the U.K., and he was in a band in the U.K. that supported Jellyfish, so we became friends then. And uh, through some other folks, he was connected with Neil Finn's management to do to a tour, and he it was in a car with me in Los Angeles and was talking to them about it, and I was just poking and going, please let me in on this gig, so... Uh, we did that in, what was it, 20, 2004 and five, and it was just mm-hmm. so musical. Maybe, um, I mean, I'm very proud of what I got to be a part of in Jellyfish, but I think playing with the Finn Brothers was probably the most musical thing I've ever done. It was just fearless. Those two guys as musicians and as writers were just willing to do anything and everything to – to create an emotional connection, and so we were lucky to travel around the world with them for a couple of years and do that. It was really most proud of playing bass with them.
1: Yeah, they just their ability to write those songs that you know, and obviously the crowded house '80 stuff. I know you know people remember that, but they wrote so many great tunes that people aren't even aware of. They're just amazing, uh, and I'm sure like you get to discover some of those when you get to play different stuff stuff with them too, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing that I really took away from them, and, you know, they were, they still are much older than me, but um, they still have this youthful enthusiasm for, for creativity, and not just in music. It's in everything, in the arts and drawing and painting, and um, it's it's it was so awesome to see them and their families and how they choose to live that way and travel around and be that. As as a family, even uh, it shifted my whole paradigm about what and how to live as a musician in this world because they just encompassed so many things as people that I respected. Not, I, I mean, and I've, you know, most most of the folks I've worked with have been fairly nice and good people, but these guys had a different level of. Uh, they were just immersed in their in, in their being of uh, all of that, and it was uh, it just made a big impression on me. Yeah.
1: I think Distant Sun is one of my favorite songs ever. That's just it's such a mm-hmm. great song. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So many great songs. Well, you've been really lucky, man. You've played with some amazing people, some really great songwriters. I mean, you obviously are a great songwriter, too, but that's got to just inspire you, right? Kind of elevate your game, too? Oh, totally. Yeah. In fact,
0: uh, the song that you mentioned that you liked off EP1, was sort of yeah. an, it done on purpose, but it would ha- it has some of that kind of sensibility in the um, in, in the way that it was written. So definitely, yeah, an impact. Yeah, the,
1: the, what, what's the official name of it, Tim? It's the Magic Number 10 I mean, it's escaping me. It there is it's mean. called There Is a Magic Number. Yeah, yeah. That bridge, that bridge is so strong. I always think with people that are really good songwriters. You know, there's a lot of times that the the, the main melody is great, but then the bridge is just kind of okay. But boy, that's a great bridge too. It just it works so well.
0: Thanks, thanks. Yeah.
1: Well, I uh, I want to be uh, cognizant of your time and stuff, but I want to make sure that people know. Uh, obviously, all of me and all my musician friends are enormous. I actually worked in a college radio station and became aware of Jellyfish when we played on college radio a million years ago and have followed stuff, but what's the best way? I know that you guys, like you said, you've been really doing social media a lot, so if people want to get on board and and know more about your band uh, with Eric and Roger and stuff, what's the best way for people to follow them? Is it it on Facebook? Is it on
0: Twitter? What do you think, Tim? We're on everything. I mean, we're not on TikTok, but... uh,
1: (laughs) We're on
0: Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on uh, Twitter, we're, we have a YouTube channel. We put up a lot of different videos, sort of the making of things, There's some fun, comical type things that we've been doing. We're trying to do more uh, creative stuff like that. Um, but if you go to thelicoricequartet.com, there are links to all that stuff there. We have our store there, we have our experience store there. You know, we, we're doing sort of cameo st- style um, things too if people want to. Have a phone call with us or happy birthday, that kind of stuff. I know I don't want to sound like a salesman, but it, it's uh, that's kind of what we're focusing on these days just because that's all we can to. Yeah,
1: it's the gig economy. I mean, yep. you got to make a buck. Better marry somebody really, really rich. <laughs> your right.
0: Right. Um, totally. well,
1: that's great. And, and like, go ahead, Dip. what was that?
0: No, I just said totally.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it, it's such a joy to talk to you. I really, uh, not only because you're on my uh, podcast, I, I would have said this anyway. I really dig it. It's so much fun to hear you guys back together again, um, and playing and collaborating. Uh, it's been a blast. You know, I think anybody who really likes well-crafted songs has been aware of you guys for a long time, and it's so much fun to listen to what you guys are doing now. And, and I, I'm very fortunate with this podcast. I got you know sneak peeks to listen to all of these tunes ahead of time um and they're great and they they bring something they're a little different you know and then actually they sent me the the versions with just the instrumental version of these songs too so i got to hear that too which is kind of nice because in a way then i could really focus on what you guys were doing from an instrumentation uh, standpoint so that was uh, a lot of fun so tim i hope that you're going to be safe you know uh, last question so let's say the vaccine's working and we're getting back to normal what would you like what would be your ideal 2021
0: Gosh, well, I mean, we, we'll, you know, we have our, this EP comes out in January and then we'll have a, the third one will come out at some point next year. But it'd be nice to uh, find one of the bands that we're all either have played with or worked with musicians, like, I don't know, some band like the Foo Fighters or something ask us to go and tour with them or something. That would be fun to find yeah. somebody like that that we're friends with to uh, go do some shows. So um, we'll see. Hopefully we can find something to do. <laughs>
1: Well, I hope so. I hope you get to do that. And uh, I know they've got a new album out, too. And so it'd be a great time to be able to get on the bill with them. And um, when you do let the 30P out, let Eric know, since I've had you now and Roger on, I'd love to talk to Eric, too. And it's a a great joy. And if you guys do make it to Kansas City, I'd be happy to take you out and uh, buy you a drink and and say thank you for all the great music over the years. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. It's a total joy to get to talk to you. Again, folks, the people out there, the Licorice Quartet, they've got their second EP coming out in January. The first single and video is up. It's called Smelly Goster Goon, and you can watch that. I'll put all the links up on uh, this podcast to that clip, to uh, all the Licorice Quartets, where you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, all of it, everywhere. Uh, And uh, and thanks so much, Tim. I hope the rest of your 2020 is safe and uh, look forward to hearing from you guys more in 2021.
0: Sounds good. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, take care, Tim.
0: All right. Take care.
1: Bye. Tim Smith, everybody. Great guy. Great conversation. And uh, you know, it's the gig economy, right? So it's I think it's great these guys are being creative and figuring out how they can make a few more shekels while they're sat sitting at home and uh doing these things. So yeah, man, you wanna you wanna write a song with the members of licorice quartet you can do that you want to have them cover one of your songs you can do that you want to have them cover a song you love you can do that so check that out it's uh i have their links down there below for their website and some of the tracks and be sure to check that out so thanks for tim for that Uh, this is the last official podcast for me in 2020 and 2020 has been a very interesting year And also challenging year in a way, but you know, I try to look at the bright side and one of the bright sides of this for me personally on this podcast is I don't think Tim Smith's on my podcast if we don't have COVID. I know Neil Giraldo's not on this podcast if we don't have COVID and the list goes on and on. So obviously COVID's a bummer. Uh, Musicians are really hurting. That's a bummer. Uh, But selfishly, having the opportunity to talk to so many great musicians over the year uh, has really helped and I've really have enjoyed it and it's made I think this podcast a lot better so thanks to everybody over the year to join me and, and I want to close out uh, and I know most of you in Kansas City already know this but I think it's important to recognize the amazing life that was Molly Hammers Molly of course was a great jazz singer here in Kansas City who battled uh, with total grace and humor and dignity breast cancer for 13 years 13 long years and, uh, you know, I'm Facebook friends with Molly. I've seen Molly play out a bunch. We have a lot of uh, friends ourselves. And I actually had talked to Molly last summer uh, online, texting back and forth about being on this podcast. And she said, yeah, she'd love to do it. And, and we kind of went back and forth. But I could, you know, that was selfish of me. That was about making me feel better and 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 making me want to have somebody on that's interesting. And I really didn't push it she had so much to deal with and she was so exhausted and she was fighting this horrible horrible disease um with every bit of her soul um so i let it go and and then molly passed away in november um but if you get a chance be sure to to listen to molly's music if you get a chance be sure to see some of the things that she did and talked about she was a joyful person and a really unjoyful situation and, and we can all learn a lot from that so finally um i like to keep busy with projects i had been kicking around there's an ian moore christmas song a lot of you will remember ian was on the podcast back uh in the summer and he had a christmas song uh don't seem like christmas that he released probably gosh 15 years ago now and i always really loved that song and i always thought it'd be great to do it uh more kind of as a jazz thing so I talked to Paula Saunders, who's been another guest. Paula is actually a good friend of Molly's um, and obviously was devastated by this news. So long story short, we re-recorded the Ian Moore song, Don't Seem Like Christmas. Uh, I rearranged it. I changed it up a little bit. And uh, we put it out, and I'm really happy with it. And we wanted to dedicate it to Molly's memory. Uh, When I was recording this with Paula, we talked a lot about Molly. And one of the things we talked about was uh, Paula said that, you know, Molly had mentioned to her that she really, really wished uh, she could live to see one more Christmas, and uh, apparently Molly really loved Christmas, and, and, and that stuck with Paula because uh, Molly died in November and didn't get to. So we talked about the whole time that we wanted to uh, you know, make this a fundraiser for uh, Kansas City Music Foundation. They have a musician's fund, help raise money for so many musicians that are hurting. And apparently Molly actually, her last album, um, she – dedicated all the funds of that album every cent to uh that foundation and that fun which is just another great example of what a great person she was so um i just wanted to let people be aware of that you know obviously it's heartbreaking about molly but we uh we certainly wanted to remember her so I, i thought i would end the podcast for this year um last original podcast of this year with our tune so this is uh don't seem like christmas It's myself on guitar. It's Paula Saunders, who's phenomenal uh, singing. It's uh, Desmond Mason, who's another phenomenal musician on keyboards. It's my buddy, Rob Van Biver on drums. And it's Clay Johnson on bass. Clay, you probably remember, was uh, on the podcast for the Kyle Sexton group. So uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. And uh, this is to you, Molly. I, I hope the rest of us can live with as much dignity and grace as you did.
2: Though it may not snow this year, I'd take the rain if you were here. And through the maelstrom of your eyes, yeah, I'd find some light, sympathize. Do you think you might be willing? Come around this year Just don't seem like Christmas When you're not here Oh, spend some time on the avenue But nothing seemed to fit my mood Yeah, all the things you would have liked Around the tree Christmas night Though the weather's cold and cloudy One thing's becoming clear It just don't seem like Christmas When you're not here Mistletoe kisses, yeah, I still remember Years passed us by And now it's December Presents unopened is unspoken, send them along anyway. I hope that you will think of me and try to make yourself a promise to get in touch this year. It just don't seem like Christmas, you're not here. Christmas when When you're